Welcome to the Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. We are your hosts, Cassie and Chelsea. I'm Cassie, a single mom living with a chronic illness who is extremely passionate about living a full and happy life. And I'm Chelsea. I have a passion for helping people to put themselves first and to be the best version of themselves each and every day. We came together to create the Spoonie Hub, an uplifting community that offers resources, guidance, support, and offers you the space to be yourself, be heard, and feel understood. We hope that by providing tips and tricks from experts, we help people with chronic conditions to thrive and live the lives they've dreamed of. This show is not only for those who live with a chronic illness or disability, but their friends, family, spouses, and just anyone else existing on the earth. Our goal is to normalize having a chronic condition by sharing real stories with real people and to show the world how relatable those everyday struggles can be. There's a little something in here for everyone. And a special shout out to our community at the Spoonie Hub. Thanks to your contributions, we are able to provide flexible work opportunities for Spoonies, donate to our nonprofit to help provide wellness treatments for those who need it, and be able to transcribe our podcast to make it more accessible for all. To learn more, visit our show notes. Enjoy the show. Good day, everybody. Welcome to The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. Today, we are super duper excited to finally talk to Zahara Jade. Zahara is a somatic therapist and awakening coach with a master's in clinical psychology, a certified life purpose coach and certified life coach, a certified bodywork practitioner, a certified regression therapist, and a certified diksha giver. After she spent the first 25 years of her life healing a rare autoimmune disease, by healing the root of deeper trauma, she made her life's mission to help others. She spent the better part of a decade living in the Far East, studying somatic therapy and training in alternative healing modalities. The Truth Catalyst is the culmination of this training, 20 years of experience in combination with the unprecedented proof that trauma is held in the body and leads to too many negative outcomes like chronic illness, chronic pain, addiction, mental illness, general life difficulties, and maladaptation. Somatic Journeys helps clients unearth trauma in a way that is non-confrontational, supportive, and guides them to use their inner harmony. We had an amazing time talking to Zahara. She is just a wonderful soul who puts things very, very eloquently she puts up with Cassie and I going on this manifestation ta- uh, tangent and gives us some information that is just so usable and really, truly listen to this entire episode. This might be a good one to maybe pull out a pen and paper and take some notes on or go back and listen to a couple times because there's just some really good affirmations or some really good mindset reframes in here that can be incredibly helpful and make sure that you go and you follow Zahara at Truth Catalyst on Instagram. Check out her website. She's got some really, really cool freebies on there as well. Can't wait for you to listen to the conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. Today's another episode where we have a special guest, Zahara Jade. Hi, Zahara. Thank you for being on with us today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yay. Well, before we answer all the questions I know Cassie and I have for you, 
Zahara, will you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your story, your journey, and how you've gotten to where you are today? Oh, gosh, yeah. It's like where to begin. I mean, I guess the first place to start is the fact that I have had a really rare autoimmune disease since I was basically since I was really born. I don't know life without. I mean, I do now. But the story goes that when I was about a year old, I had, I guess, a seizure. And then every month thereafter, I started having really high fevers and these flare ups, right? Like bad arthritic joints and all sorts of other things happening for about a week every month. And I was dragged to specialists across the country. Nobody really knew what was going on. Doctors didn't know what to call it. I had different diagnoses and I'm sure a lot of listeners are like, oh yeah, I, I've been through that. Like nobody really knew what was up with me. And when I was 10, I was diagnosed with Crohn's cause it went into my stomach. I had ulcers in my stomach. Um, I was put on what's called a Broviac. So I was fed through a tube in my heart. I was taken off all foods. So that's pretty, like I've only more recently, you know, in my latter years understood what that did to me as a child. But over the years, even through high school, I was in the hospital a lot and I was on a lot of steroids. Those pretty much, you know, destroyed my emotions, destroyed my body. When I was 20, I was finally properly diagnosed with what's called Bichette's syndrome or Bichette's disease. And it's a really rare illness of the vascular system. And if you dig into like some of the support groups or the literature around it, it can get into something called neuro Bichette's and it can do all sorts of crazy things. Like it can make you go blind. It can make you have like strokes. It can really like make your life a living hell. It already had for a big part of my life. Like I was having flare ups almost every month, really high fevers, ulcers in places you wouldn't want to talk about really. <laughs> like, and we, we won't, you know, but in my mouth, in my eyes, in my nose, people have them on their skin everywhere. It was painful to walk sometimes. I would still, I, I went straight from college to graduate school. I got into a PhD program. So my plan was to become a clinical psychologist. And I worked, you know, I was working like 60 plus hours a week, seeing clients, seeing patients, doing my schoolwork, doing research, teaching. So by the time I defended my master's thesis, I had already started my dissertation work at the Cleveland Clinic and I was fully burned out. And I had a really, really big flare up right before I defended. And I, I couldn't even leave my house to like get groceries and I knew I needed to do something. I took a leave of absence. I never went back. So that's why I'm not licensed as a therapist. I just like needed to get my life in order and my body in order. It took me a couple more years to like really step out of the Western medical paradigm. Because for me, that's all I knew. My parents, my dad's an orthopedic surgeon. My mom was very traditional in what she believed was the right way to treat illness. And so I was heavy into it. I had done all, tried all of the medications, tried all of the experimental medications, because literally until this year, there was no FDA approved medication for Bichette's disease. It's so rare, right? Like with all the experiments they have to do, all the research they have to do. So 
I finally, at the age of 25, this was like 15, 16 years ago, I found a referral to somebody who I was told heals cancer patients in my hometown. And back then in Cleveland, Ohio, spiritual healing and alternative methods were not very popular at all. Nobody really did these things. It's not like it is today. Like, oh, you have a crystal. Great. You know, but I went to see this woman and she didn't talk about what she did. She didn't call it anything, but essentially she was a therapist. She was a body worker. She was a somatic therapist. And as I worked with her, Within a month, I started feeling better. Within six months, my disease stopped flaring. And within a year, I was in remission. Oh my gosh. Wow. It was, it was really, truly a miracle. I had never been healthy in my entire life, mm-hmm. ever. I didn't know what it meant to be healthy or what it felt like to feel health. And for the first time ever, I experienced that. Now. It wasn't just working with her. She asked me and required me to make a lot of changes in my life. I had to start doing, changing the way I exercise. Like I was lifting weights and running. I had to start doing yoga, right? I started doing Pilates. I started seeing an acupuncturist. Nobody had taught me or told me that sugar was an inflammatory causing food. No doctor had ever mentioned that or asked me what I ate ever. It's like, right, common sense to talk about these things. But also, nobody had ever worked with me around the chronic stress in my body, not only the current chronic stress, like the trauma I was putting myself in every single day in stressful situations in my life, but the chronic trauma that was sitting in my body. And that's really what helped me heal was to get to the bottom of that and to heal that like somatically and therapeutically. And that's ultimately what healed me and kept me in remission for over 10 years. That's incredible. My mind is like swirling with all the things I want to talk to you about. (laughs) Um, I think the first question, just for anyone who's listening, who's maybe not familiar with somatic therapy, can you define somatic and somatic therapy and kind of what that means for anyone that doesn't know? So it's really simple. Somatic simply means the connection it's like between the mind and the body. And there are different lineages of somatic work. There's like, Peter Levine started doing somatic trauma work back in the seventies. And so he's got his lineages, lineage of somatic experiencing practitioners. And then like the woman I worked with, she came from a somatic movement based work where she used, she had healed through dance and she worked with native Americans and she had training from all over the world, similar to what I ended up doing Like I learned a lot from her, but then I trained with different people all over the world. And my knowledge comes from other places. And the work I do is informed by other things as well, including my my clinical psychology background, but also some other practices and therapies like voice dialogue work and things like that. So everybody practices somatic work differently, but the main component is to get to the 
pain and trauma held in the body rather than working with just the mind. Because what happens is in the moment that trauma occurs, an experience that's so overwhelming for a person that literally there's a biological reaction that occurs in the nervous system that kicks off a fight or flight response. And if that continues, it can create chronic stress in the body that leads to inflammation. Like I, I didn't mean to get off into this, but there's no, this perfect. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, yeah, keep going. <laughs> so there's research back from the nineties that the adverse childhood experiences study, the ACEs study, and you can actually take this questionnaire online, the ACEs questionnaire. If you were exposed to an adverse childhood experience, you, the more ACEs that you have, the higher your score, the more likelihood that in the long term, you will have a negative outcome in life. That doesn't mean that that is your destiny or you're stuck with that, but more likelihood that you will experience a mental health problem like depression, anxiety, feelings of suicide, hopelessness, et cetera, chronic illnesses, somatic issues, chronic pain in your stomach, chronic headaches, chronic fatigue, all sorts of symptoms in the body, PTSD, and the list goes on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what's interesting is the ACEs experiences are very extreme types of trauma, but then there are other types of, so there's apparent traumas, and then there are like less apparent, less obvious traumas. And even though they don't talk about this in the study, it is my hunch and my sense that people who experience less apparent traumas or collective traumas, and that's something I've been talking about more recently, that chronically experiencing trauma over a lifetime can add up and sort of accumulate this stress in the body. People who have chronic illness and they're like, well, nobody in my family does. I don't know why I do. Most likely leads back to chronic trauma. So someone, I kind of, the verbiage I've used with trauma is like big T trauma, which are like the big, scary, terrifying events and like little T trauma, which ends up being kind of your more like day to day things that you don't really realize have a big impact on you, but they can. So what I'm hearing from you is that it, it's the accumulation of even these little T's traumas, these, these smaller experiences just over time build up and build up and build up and build up and build up, and build up that can lead to these experiences of health problems. Yeah. And what you have to realize, what we have to understand is that when we as adults look back on an experience that we may have had as a child, we maybe think that wasn't a big deal. Like, why would I have reacted in a certain way to that? But trauma is not only like the experience itself, but it's your perception at the time. It's your age at the time. So like an experience can really affect a child and a baby far more than it affects an adult. So like you're sitting there at school waiting to be picked up, your parent forgets about you. It's like a slip of the mind. They are super busy with work. 
they don't think about it. And really when they finally remember, it's still not a big deal to them. But for you as a child, as like a five-year-old, this experience where you're left outside for like two hours waiting for your parent to pick you up when everybody else has been picked up, this gets integrated into your self identity and like sticks with you and then gets carried on. Like maybe you're made fun of because of it, things like this. So it can really harm you in the long run, right? It's something that's not a big deal to the parent, but is to the child or like loud noises wouldn't affect a a parent, but can really affect a child. can like literally shake their entire nervous system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really important that you shared that, um, depending on the age, you know, their experience of it is going to have such a different impact. Um, because, and even like the loud noises thing, I mean, um, like my son went to a basketball game on a school field trip. I don't remember what grade he was in right now. I want to say maybe like third grade. And I was like, you know, I picked him up and I was like, how was it? You know, did you have fun at the, at the basketball game, the college basketball game? And he was just like, no, it was so loud. And everyone kept standing up and, you know, getting excited and screaming and yelling and popcorn was going everywhere. And it was really interesting. Cause I was like, oh, you know, most kids would be like, yeah, that was great. Um, but he was like almost teary and just like, I had the worst day. And, um, it definitely made me kind of think, oh, okay, that's, you know, overstimulating for him. That was too much. And, you know, made me want to be aware of like, um, and I kind of, I think I even told him as you get older, I'm like, concerts may not be your thing. You know, you might just be one that decides that that's like those big, large crowded gatherings loud, like that might not be, you know, your thing or something that you enjoy, but it's, it's true that, for him that two hours could have been just like, you know, awful and you can't leave because you're on a school field trip and all the other kids are like freaking out too. And um, I think it's important to recognize that even us as adults might be like, it's not a big deal. It's fine for, for that age. They're having a totally different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really glad that you mentioned that. I think as parents, we need to probably like, try and step into those shoes as much as we can of just realizing like what we're experiencing now has years and years of processing or emotional development. Most of us, some, some of us may not have, you know, had that emotional development, but we do have to like kind of remind ourselves that with children in the younger generation, they're still processing. They're still working through all of that. And yes, what we would call quote, small things can have a big impact. And I think that's true for everybody. Um, Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to experience things differently and even if someone that's the exact same age of you that had a very similar upbringing you'd think that they'd have the same level of emotional development or coping mechanisms you're not gonna react to things in the exact same way Mm -hmm. right and so when we're talking about the difference in age this is why things that happen to kids when they've been through an illness especially a chronic illness right? So if you've been in the hospital for long periods of time, you've likely experienced medical trauma, right? You're confined. If you've been under anesthesia as a child, you've lived through trauma. And so people who have chronic illnesses, and that's all they've known, like myself, we don't really think about it. Like that's just our life. And at least for me, it was just my life. I never really processed any of that. 
until I got older. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I actually lived through trauma. I didn't understand it to be that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's important for people to realize that there's stuff in your body, not just the illness, but other layers of things Mm -hmm. and somewhere in there that you may not even remember. Yeah. And I mean, on that same kind of like side, um, all the people who have grown up with a chronically ill or disabled parent, you know, they are as children experiencing, I think, a form of trauma, watching people that they love going through things as well. Um, I think that that's, you know, um, I grew up with a chronically ill parent and I, she didn't really get ill until I was about 16. So I was even like, I would say more brain developed than being 10 or or eight or something. Um, But there was a huge process that I had to go through, like with therapy in my adult years in twenties, in my twenties, about like, I refused to acknowledge having any kind of trauma or traumatic um, uh, results from her illness because I loved her so much that I was like, no, she never had any kind of quote negative impact on my life. And I didn't, I wasn't resentful to anything. I, I didn't want to like hurt her by me having to go through trauma as you know, with growing up. Um, And so I, I had to definitely like work through some therapy where it's like, it doesn't, you know, mean that she did anything wrong or there's any blame or guilt or that I loved her less by kind of accepting and admitting that there were some instances that were very traumatic. Um, and so I think that people out there listening who maybe you have parents that are chronically ill or disabled, um, that it's not taking away from them to sort of accept or admit or look into if you are experiencing trauma. Would you say that's accurate-ish? Yeah. And whether it's that or just the experience all of us are having right now living through the pandemic. Yes. um, One of the biggest things that I hear and see, whether I'm hosting like groups of people or smaller workshops, is that people feel extremely guilty for like, feeling or, or experiencing any sort of emotion around this, or they're just simply acting as if it's not happening. So just denial, but that is a response to trauma. It's just like a complete shutting down mm-hmm. in the situation because it's just so overwhelming. So the res- the, the response is guilt. Or the response is just, I can't handle this. I don't, I don't know what to make of this. I'm just going to act like it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But th- these are normal responses, especially given what we're all facing right now, for example, because the reality is quite terrifying if you actually look at it for what it is. Well, a little bit. I know I've gone down some um, scary rabbit holes that, I know Cassie has as well. We talk about that all the time. Um, I deleted the Facebook app on my phone because I just kept going places that did not end well for my mental health. And so I was like, well, we're just not going to do this anymore. So yeah, it's, there is a lot of scary stuff happening. I mean, I feel like there's always scary stuff happening in the world, but I think right now it's um, a little bit more elevated than it has Mm -hmm. been at least in the past um, few years. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what happens during collective trauma so like we're all tapped into this collective consciousness or collective net that we on like a very subtle or subconscious level we're, we're feeling uh, indirectly what everybody else is feeling. And what happens is our, our stuff gets kind of brought to the surface. So more and more people are just not only that, like more and more people are feeling their own stuff, but then we're isolated. Mm-hmm. We're alone. And we're like, for the first time, maybe ever just stopping and like forced to sit with ourselves. And a lot of people aren't very adept at doing that. So they're like, wait, I don't feel okay because maybe they've never felt okay. Really, they've just like hidden in doing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for- For any of our listeners out there that are struggling with this, of of having to slow down, having Mm -hmm. to face their feelings, face what's in front of them, and maybe they don't have access to a therapist or someone to help them through this on a professional level, what can they do? What can people do to help process the trauma going on and just get to a healthier place mentally, physically, and emotionally? Well, I have actually, because so many people are experiencing this, I put together like a, like five free resources for people to use on my Perfect. Website. One of them is like a workshop that I hosted. So I've just put that video in there for free. But they, if they go to my website, they, they can have access to all of those. And they're like four guides and a workshop they can take for free. Because I just felt like people need this right now, right? Mm-hmm. That is, I just want to say thank you for putting that together. Yeah. And sharing that because yes, it is, it's so needed. I know like when my own mental health has been the most roller coaster-y that it has ever been this year. There's been times where it's been really great. There's been other times where I'm like, I am not okay. And mm-hmm. it's hard to pull yourself out of that. Um, I know my insurance does not cover therapy, so I try to find other resources to work through my stuff. And so thank you for putting that out into the world for people to be able to use and help heal themselves. That's amazing. Yeah. Also, every once in a while, I host like some free workshops. Usually they're around collective trauma. So if people follow me on Instagram, like I'll be promoting those. Okay. That's really cool too. I'm, I'm so glad that you um, brought up how some people are dealing with it, dealing with this time, the pandemic with just like, yeah, denial and not dealing with it and how difficult it is to sit still. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think I, I have watched certain people in my life who I have wondered in the past several years, if like, they feel so full and happy with life because they're like, go, go, go all the time, doing all the things full schedule, got to live life, you know, live to the fullest. And yet I've, I've sometimes been like, yeah, but like sitting still and just being is also like really fulfilling and satisfying. And I have sometimes wondered, like, do they do that? And then during this time, I I thought that to myself, like when COVID first started, I was like, I wonder how they're going to do, you know, I wonder what that's going to be like. This would be the most sitting still that I've ever known them having to do. And I think they did a decent job of it for like a month or two. And then they've been like, go, go, go since. And, um, 
you know, like gotta let, you know, yeah, it's really bad, but you know, life goes on, you know, kind of like, uh, not mantra, but you know, perspective of like, yes, we're living through this hard time. It's very difficult. Things are really sad, but life must go on. And I've kind of been like, I don't know if I like totally agree with just, oh yeah, but you know, keep calm and carry on, you know, because I think Chelsea and I, like Chelsea said, like her mental health has been a roller coaster more this year than ever before. And she and I both have been really lucky to have each other because I think that we've helped keep each other in check for like, okay, this time is going on this pandemic. We are having to spend more time at home. Most of us, some of us, maybe this is by choice or whatever, but kind of us checking in with each other, like how can we make the most of that? Mm -hmm. And being more quiet and being more still and taking it as an opportunity for inner growth. Um, or just has doing been, nothing and actually taking a break for the first time in your life. Yeah. Like shutting off, actually shutting off, you know, um, in such a fast moving world, like you said, Zahara, like slowing down and what a gift that has been. And um, I don't want this to, with, I don't want what I'm saying to be confused with like, oh, we have to make the most out of our COVID-19 experience. Cause I know that there's a lot of kind of like toxic positivity type of stuff going right. on with that. Yeah. That's not what I mean. It's more of just, at least for me, I've been staying home a ton. Chelsea has too. And I have looked like, okay, what do I really want out of life? You know, what do I really want out of the world? Um, you know, what is it that I can change within myself that I've been wanting to, but have felt like life is too busy to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's necessarily like a toxic positivity, you know, what to they gotta do, gotta come out of COVID-19 speaking three languages or something, you know, with an immaculate house. Um, but I do, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, some people just kind of like ignoring it completely because I have seen people in my life. That's their coping mechanism with other traumatic things that I've seen in the past. And they're definitely reverting to that now. Well, you know, I, I consider myself really lucky because it's almost like, at least for me, I was trained for this. I literally spent so many years just sitting still with this illness. You know, I didn't have a choice for a long time. I was so sick. I was in the hospital so much, but even when I traveled, I mean, I spent six years, basically. I spent, when I was finally well, I took a backpack. I traveled around the world for 18 months. It was the coolest thing. I like had my childhood in my late twenties. That's a weird thing. But also awesome. I like literally learned how to make friends in my late 20s. Basically, I mean, I had friends earlier, but it was a different kind of experience. And then I lived for the first time throughout Asia, you know, as an expat. And still, I wasn't that traveler who checked boxes, who went all the places. Like I went to 12 different countries in those years, but like not like a crazy person. I spent several months at a time in each place. And then a couple years in Thailand at the end, just living in one place. I was never a traveler who needed to like go, go, go. I was much happier just sitting still. And for me, at least this time, I mean, I consider myself high risk. So 
I'm not trying to get this disease. I've already lived a life with a chronic illness. I'm trying to st stay healthy, you know, and, and I read about the long-term effects of COVID. Like, no, thanks. I'm not trying to heal again, you know? So that's just my perspective on this. But I look at this as if like, it's a great time, yeah, to just sit and be, and we have all the things we could ever possibly want and need. I'm not in an ashram, mm -hmm. silent, right? This is sort of like an in-between. And for me, I don't feel like I'm sacrificing anything at all. And I also don't look at it in that view of like, well, what can I, how can I be the best me by the end of this? It's not like that. It's just, it's just an opportunity to sit and be and mm -hmm. do the things that I do as well as I can do them, but without any pressure, it's yeah. just like, let's all make it out of this healthy and well. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is the ultimate goal. And there's, I mean, just being, I, one, one kind of like longs for it sometimes I think in such a fast moving, busy world. I know that when I was growing up, so my mom was an acupuncturist. And so I grew up in that like alternative health world. That was my childhood. And I remember, you know, her grabbing me and making me come sit outside on the rocking chairs. And she'd be like, darling, just watch the clouds go by. She's British. I'm British, <laughs> but we would, we would just sit there and, you know, and it would just be quiet and it was just watch the clouds go by. Like that is your only intent. Mm -hmm. And, um, like you talking about that, Sahara, that's why it popped into my mind. Cause I'm like, actually, even this entire nine months of pandemic, I haven't sat and watched the clouds go by once. And so with you saying, it's, it's a time to just be and be still and be quiet. That's, I, I still haven't even just done that. I have read a lot of books, which for me has been nice for just being quiet. That's something I didn't ever take time for. Um, but it's, it is, a, it is a time for that. And I agree. I haven't really felt like I've been sacrificing either. Um, same Chelsea, either. right? I mean, yeah. maybe it's because I didn't have what quote unquote people call a life. Um, I'm using really <laughs> big air quotes for everyone listening to this. Yeah. It's not watching the video. Uh, I mean, my, my life was very much, I went to work and I came home. I am at my core an introvert. And so not seeing a bunch of people all the time is really okay with me. I really love spending time with my fiance and my dogs. I like talking to Cassie. I like texting friends and sending them Snapchats, all of which have been things that I've been able to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually, as we're recording this, I'm almost done with two, finishing my two weeks of quarantining after, um, my family got exposed to COVID. And oh. so we're, we're healthy. We good, but I've been at home for two weeks. And the only thing I miss is going and like getting coffee someplace through a drive-through. That is honestly the thing that I'm like, all right, when I'm free in two days, I'm stopping at my favorite local coffee shop <laughs> and getting a coffee in the drive-through. That's the only thing that I miss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, when we were in lockdown in the beginning, that's actually also what I missed. And when I got to go get like a coffee and I was trying to get all the local places, like pick up food from the local places. Cause I really wanted to like support local, but that was the same thing. I went through the drive-thru and got a tea and I was just like, this is like the most normal I have felt. But, I <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm so glad that you're talking about how people might be um, coping to get through this time with the pandemic. I think that for years, 
I mean, like my son and I were on a walk last night, he's 12. Um, and so we were walking the dogs yesterday and we were joking about how he was playing a bunch of video games the other day. And I was joking with him. I was like, you know, your kids are going to be at school one day and they're going to ask you, dad, what was it like being a middle schooler through a pandemic? You know? And I was like, I was like, you're going to tell them how good you were at casino heists with video games. (laughs) You know, I was like, that's what you're going to have to like say about the pandemic. And, um, it actually ended up sparking like a really interesting conversation between the two of us and getting to hear his insight on what it's like living through a pandemic. And I have said on several other episodes before that people really need to not forget the kids during this time, you know, they aren't at school. Like a lot of, um, my son's doing remote schooling and, uh, I can hear a lot of the other kids and teachers and parents like through the, through zoom or whatever. And, um, you know, it's been really unfortunate sometimes when you can hear like other parents yelling at their kids, like through zoom and through the class. And it's been a reminder that there's a lot of kids in the world that having to stay home, um, is like one of the worst things that they could probably imagine during this time. And so, um, I've been really passionate about just spreading awareness that like, we need to not forget that the kids are experiencing this time too. There, this, this whole year, this pandemic, um, is going to leave an imprint, you know? So, um, especially with you referring to, well, everything that you've been discussing so far, the big trauma, big T, like Chelsea said, or the collective trauma with little T. Um, I think that um, it's important to have resources and awareness. Yeah. For the younger generations too, in the future from this time. So one that question, was a little depressing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> very, it's, it's, it's stuff like it's very real life show. And this is something that's going on. And this is something that's going to be in, impacting our world for yeah. a really long time. I think even if there was some miracle cure that came out tomorrow this it's it's the everything that has happened the ripple effect of all the events of this year are going to impact our world for a very long time Mm -hmm. so I think it's good that we're talking about this and sharing resources that Zahara you've created to be able Mm -hmm. to help people through this hey everyone I know you're enjoying this episode of the real life show living with a chronic illness but We're going to pause for a moment because I want to tell you about our most recent offering to help you live your best life. It is mywellnesshub.co. At mywellnesshub.co, you will find a comprehensive resource library for chronic illness individuals to live their best life. You know, all those hours you spent searching on Google to find that thing that's going to help your pain or that thing that's going to help you feel better or what type of diet to work, what books to read, what podcasts to listen to, you know, all the stuff. Well, we're putting all of that into one single resource library to make it easy for you to find the resources you need. And as part of that, we have our membership site, The Hub, where we're providing education for you at the low, low cost of $15 a month. You're going to get classes from experts around the freaking world multiple times a month, multiple times a week. You'll have access to the recordings from the past, all sorts of really, really good stuff. So make sure you go check out mywellnesshub.co. 
one question I have for you to kind of just, not that I don't want to talk about this anymore, but uh, a question I have is you mentioned that for a lot of your life before you started doing kind of some somatic therapy, you went to the woman who was helping others heal cancer, that you were very into like the whole Western medicine, you were going to all the doctors, all the pharmaceuticals. What role does Western medicine play in your life now? Or is it more all Eastern medicine? Like what, what's the balance between Eastern and Western medicine? That's for you? a great question. That's a great question. You know, I'm not anti-Western medicine. I have a healthy love of Western medicine and I use it when I need it. I'm not like, you know, there are some people that I know and I love them who I've especially met in some of my spiritual circles who are super anti-Western medicine. Um, yeah. We're like Advil is evil. I am not that person. I'm going to take Advil if I have a headache. I'm not going to lie. If I'm in pain I, and I know it's it, going to yeah. help, I'm going to take it. <laughs> but I am also, you know, open to other, like any and uh, any alternatives that are going to be helpful and useful, especially that have some research or science behind it, like melatonin, there's so much research that it helps for inflammation, helps for MS patients, things like that. But I, I've also experienced personally the profound effects of a lot of these therapies. And I've experienced personally with different healers around the world in so many different countries, what doesn't work and with certain healers when they themselves are not spiritually evolved, when they have not done their own work, that it is just not gonna work. So I have enough of my own sense what works and what doesn't, because there are some people who are very book smart who just can't go there and can't heal other people. So I'm really particular with who I open my energy to in terms of alternative types of healing and the types of methodologies that I use, but I've done enough healing that I know what will work. Mm -hmm. um, also like, because I know the role that trauma plays in the manifestation of emotional and physical illness, I know that unless somebody is going to the root of it, personally for me, certain modalities and I just I think it's wrong to just call them out but certain modalities for me aren't going to work mm -hmm. they're just not strong enough there's something that works differently for everyone yeah and there's going to be some there's going to be a modality that resonates within your body and yeah. within your mind within your soul your psychology that is not going to necessarily resonate with someone else in the exact same way yeah and so mm -hmm. I I think that what I got from your answer to that question is you use what works for you and other people should use what works for them. Yeah, mm -hmm. I completely agree. Well, and I also, to add on to that too, like with you saying um, that unless people are, you know, kind of like getting to that root cause with what you know about trauma, that essentially something just may not work for you. Um, I think that's a, an important thing for people to hear because dealing with the root stuff is really freaking hard work, you know, like getting to that, like, yeah, the, the real trauma, the root cause. And I think if you are 
looking to work with someone who's experienced in trauma and the effects it has with chronic illness, disability, et cetera, chronic disease to make the most of it, like be ready to do hard work. I mean, I know that with my mom as an acupuncturist, most of her patients that, you know, really did well were the ones who like did the hard stuff and they would cry in a lot of sessions and they would be raw and honest. And the way the type of acupuncture that my mom practiced was very much full body and mind and soul. And she would do marriage counseling for her patients. I mean, it was like everything. Mm -hmm. And so growing up, I was watching, I, I definitely watched, um, and saw truth in that all disease stems from the heart and not meaning Western medicine, the heart, but meaning, you know, emotions, trauma, your soul, like your spirit, everything. And it's been very interesting as someone, I have Crohn's disease. um, Yeah. And so it has been interesting. I, I would say in the last six months to a year, um, I've been working with a lady who does body work who Chelsea's had a session with, and she's actually one of my mom's students. Um, My mom passed away Mm -hmm. and her student, she is very much like my mom in her practices. Like she would ask challenging questions to me and she would pose challenging things. And I can still feel myself putting up that that barrier. And I have definitely had moments like trying to go back and check like, okay, wait, is part of why I'm not feeling better because I'm not dealing with maybe this root cause stuff. I'm like in denial about it. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I've been in therapy. Everything's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just think I'm really glad that you said that for you, you know, to be able to open up yourself and your energy to someone to help you, they've got to like, obviously you have to have that intuition, that trust between each other that you know that you're safe so that you can truly open up and get to that real bottom layer root core uh, root cause stuff. And that's the hard stuff. That's the hard, that's the really hard work. No. Yeah. I think that one of the biggest blocks people have to healing is that they're like, I was for so many years, they are just very comfortable where they are in their suffering. I was attached to my identity as a chronically sick girl. It was my story. It was my identity. And it was comfortable for me. Like the disease was like a friend to me. Mm. And I wasn't ready to let go of it. I didn't know that I could. I didn't believe that I could. But until I was ready to say, I am suffering so badly. I'm at my rock bottom. I can't do this anymore. I need something else. And like, give that all over. Once I was ready to do that and say, like, I will do anything. I like stepped out of my own way because we get in our own way. We make up excuses. It's too expensive. It's just, I, it's not the right, you know, it's not going to work. It's I'm, I'm fine. I'm too busy. I'm whatever. Yeah. No, it's, that's not the right thing. Like it's a disease. It has no connection to anything else. There's a pill that can fix it. That's interesting. Um, 
so by the time this episode comes out, our manifestation episode will have already released. Um, but we actually, in the timeline of recording, recorded it like a week ago. Okay. And so Zahara, I would love to hear your opinion on this. I was going to ask the same thing. It was Chelsea. a debate that Cassie and I um, have internally and out loud with each other because we both believe in the law of attraction, manifestation, that your thoughts can have a huge impact on your reality. But when it comes to health, sometimes that it's can a touchy really, subject. Yeah. And it can turn really toxic really quickly. Um, but just kind of what you were saying of how you had to get out of your own way. You had to change your identity. You had to change the way you were thinking about yourself. That kind of made me flash back to that conversation. It did for me too. (laughs) (laughs) So I would love to hear your thoughts on what your experience with that, what your thoughts are on that. Also just to add in, like speaking of law of attraction and manifestation, it is hilarious to me and yet not so hilarious and totally divine that Chelsea, that we ended up magically having this conversation, recording an episode about it a week ago, deciding last, we just, we started talking and then we we're like, let's just start recording and see what happens. And then we we're like, yeah, this is a great episode. And, and then we had another podcast interview afterwards that this conversation totally came up. And now it is with you that I'm like, did we manifest you know, <laughs> like having the conversation? So it's just, yeah, we're all about that. And we've kind yeah. of been like teasing each other you know, in text and in discussion, like, yeah, this totally is, you know, law of attraction. So yeah, I just want to add that little tidbit in, but yeah, your thoughts. What's the question? Ask it again. So what are, (laughs) yeah, we got a little long winded there. Um, what are your thoughts, feelings, beliefs, opinions on the role your thoughts play in your health Um, the role of like the law of attraction can play in manifesting like can you manifest getting rid of your illness or and like if that means if you can man if you can manifest your your health do you manifest your disease is your thoughts your fault for being so no I don't believe you manifest your disease cool we're making Um, interested faces for those who can't (laughs) see us (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that doesn't happen um I believe that your thoughts can influence how you behave in your life. Okay. So good. Right. Really good. That's like what we were saying with our last Uh guest. Or because, because by the way you think you might have distorted thinking, cognitive distortions about the way you perceive your life. So if you believe that life is all bad, you believe your body is fractured and unable to heal, you will prevent yourself from taking certain steps, from looking for other resources for healing, things like this, right? Mm-hmm. So at some point, starting to shift your thinking can start to change your actual like neurobiology, which can start to change the movements you take in your life, which can start to get a feedback loop, right? So that's why in my collective healing series, I have an affirmations guide. Because affirmations, we we give self-affirmations every day, but sometimes they're negative. Mm -hmm. Like I'm sick, I'm never gonna get better. I'll always be this way. 
right? They're negative. <laughs> but if you can literally every day say something that's completely different, like I am excited to heal my life. I'm so happy for the day that I, for, for when I'm healthy. You want them to be po- like positive, but also present tense. Like you don't want to say I am healed if you're not healed because you're not going to believe it, for example. So it's sort of like manifesting, right? Affirmations are kind of the same thing, but you want to state affirmations every day that you can start work towards what you, the goal you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And when you say them every day, they will start to change the way you think. And by changing the way you think, you can start, you, you will find yourself taking actions in your life that will then like, you know, in the secret, they call it law of attraction. It's... It's not that woo-woo. You actually find yourself doing things to start to bring that into your life. Mm-hmm. I love that. That was Thank a you great for, answer. I think you put that very eloquently. And I mm-hmm. think that that was the final, just, I don't know, final place that we got to on this episode was yeah. so much that you're manifesting your illness, that it's your fault and that you are manifesting your health, but you, you get to choose how you're viewing yourself, how you're viewing your life. And then that will then help you take action or not take action towards. And yeah, your thoughts have a ripple effect and like, yeah. And like can change your behaviors. And that's kind of, we had another guest that we ended up getting on this topic as well. And, um, that's kind of the same thing that we discussed with him too. And, but you put it really eloquently. Yeah. And I also particularly love the affirmation of, I am excited for the day that I feel healthy because yeah. there's been several, um, affirmations about health that, yeah, don't resonate. Cause I don't believe it right now of like, I am healed. Like you said, it's, you're saying it, but your mind frequency isn't there. Right. And, um, yeah. So one, we had another gal on, um, Emily Brandt. And she said that, uh, one way it kind of like around that belief is saying, I'm choosing to believe I will heal or I'm choosing to believe. And that, that helped me wrap my mind around it. But as far as still that present thing of the, I am affirmations, I really like that. I am excited for the day that I feel. Another one is I take action every day to heal myself. Mm -hmm. That's That's good. Right. That's really good. Yeah. Cause like we were talking on this episode about how Chelsea's mantra has been, um, my body takes care. What is it, Chelsea? My body takes care of me. My body always takes care of me. Yeah. And, um, and then it was interesting because she has had this close COVID exposure and and she's like, you know, but I've been doing my mantra. And as she was talking about it on this, um, manifesting episode, you know, it ended up being that I was like, actually, I think that your mantra is working because you have yeah. symptoms and so yeah. your body is totally taking care of you. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a great discussion. And so I, I really love how you put, how you put all of that. And I do like that too. I take action every day, you know, just stepping back for a moment. So like, I do know some people who haven't been able to get out of the cycle of their chronic illness because of their mindset. They, because of the way they see their life, because of the way they see their bodies, they're stuck, but they don't want to see it another way. They're not ready to. And, you know, that's okay. 
but they're going to be stuck there until they're ready to say, you know what, there might be other possibilities. But a lot of people are just very attached to this idea that there is a complete separation between mind and body. And the mind has absolutely no business dealing in healing the body. And if you are in that belief system, you're just going to rely on doctors to heal you and you may never get where you want to be. I'm not saying you won't. It's possible. Sometimes medicines do work, but you might not. And it might be time to open up the possibility that the mind is connected to the body, that it's, it's not causing your illness, but maybe it can help heal you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just love the way that you've said all of that. I'm so glad that you came on the show. I feel like this was such a lovely conversation. And yet I also feel like I was kind of like taking a class in like the way that I was just wanting to absorb mm-hmm. everything that you said. You know, I just, I really... I really like your perspective. Um, I really resonate with it. I can't wait to check out more on your website and especially the the freebies you've put out for coping during this time. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. This was wonderful for me. Yay. Well, where can people find you on the internet? Because I'm sure they're going to want to go follow you and connect with you and all the things. Well, Instagram, it's Truth Catalyst. And on my website, it's thetruthcatalyst.com. And those will be linked in the show notes. So you can just swipe or whatever you do on whatever listening platform you're on. I don't, they're all different, but go to the show notes (laughs) and click on the links directly. This has been so much fun. Mm -hmm. I feel like I could talk to you all day long. I know. (laughs) Well, let's set it up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We'll have you back on. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you love this podcast and want to show your support, please leave a review, share the podcast with others, or join us in the Spoonie Hub. If you'd like to connect with Cassie and I, you can find us on Instagram at The Real Spoonies Unite or on our website, mywellnesshub.co, where you can find all sorts of resources and you can find the Spoonie Hub. Talk to you soon.